At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Be seated. That story of Solomon and the dream uh, from 1 Kings is probably a fairly familiar one for a lot of us. I think it may be one of the earliest Bible stories I remember remembering. Maybe it was a, a regular part of the Sunday school curriculum back in, back in my day. Uh, if you were to ask a, a younger me or even a, a today me or a lot of people, what do you know about Solomon, if anything? Uh, there's a fair chance they might say something about, well, he was the, he was the wise one, right? And, and they might go on, if they know a little bit more, say, and he was wise because uh, when God came to him and said, ask what I shall give you, kind of imagined it as a kid, uh, like a, a genie style thing, but with one wish instead of three, any wish, ask what I shall give you instead of, of asking for great wealth or, or a long life or something, uh, Solomon Solomon asked for this, this wisdom, a wise and, and discerning, discerning heart, which he got. And because he wasn't greedy in the first place and, and asked for something he truly needed, because he wasn't greedy, as a bonus, he got thrown in the incomparable wealth in this, this long life. And in fact, a younger version of me uh, would ponder this and think, you know, maybe, maybe Solomon was a little bit wise already before God even showed up. That maybe he was playing the system a little bit, and he'd read about some of the way God had tested other people and thought to himself, maybe maybe the thing is, if you, you do the right thing, you get the bonus on the other side. Like, uh, you know, mom says no dessert, but if I eat my vegetables, I know there's some brownies in the cabinet, so, so maybe I'll get a, a bonus for doing the right thing on the other side or, 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 or something something like that. Thought maybe that was it with Solomon, kind of playing the system, do the right thing, and you get a bonus. Don't think that anymore. What happened, you see, was I grew up, and I got married, and I had a child. And I thought to myself, I thought to myself, actually I thought to myself, or thinking back, probably about circa 8 p.m., on September 30th, 2003, if God were to show up to me at that moment and ask, say, ask, what shall I give you? There's a good chance I would have said, God, give me wisdom. For you see, at circa 8 p.m., September 30th, 2003, I had just been handed my child, a child whom I was pretty convinced uh, I would soon break by dropping, <laughs> uh, fairly certain that I would uh, uh, let down, fairly terrified that I would make all the wrong parenting decisions. And so I would have prayed or would have asked, or I'm certainly I did pray at that very moment because I was terrified, God give me wisdom. I think that's it with Solomon too. He had not just been handed a child, uh, if we were to read back a couple chapters, we'd see he had just been handed a kingdom. He had just been named uh, the father of his people, and he's terrified. In fact, I think it's even invaded his sleep 
We're told that God shows up to him in a dream, but I'm kind of thinking that was maybe the back part of a dream which started with maybe the way some of your dreams go uh, of you failing something or of you being unmasked as an imposter, uh, not up to some task. He says as much literally in this conversation with God inside the dream and literally says, I am just a little child and I don't know the exits from the entrances. (laughs) I don't know a thing about this kinging. How am I going to govern this heavy people? It says great people in our, in our translation, but it's, a, it's literally, it says a heavy people. I wish it had stayed that way because I understand heavy people. For on that day, 16 and a half years ago, never did seven pounds, eight ounces feel so heavy. About just as heavy as a little bit more than that a couple months or 22 months later, and then a little bit more than that four years after that. Terrified. We're going to do this great responsibility. I think you probably understand it as well. Not a bonus, not uh, a work in the system to do the right thing and then get an extra. But you know, you understand that too, even if you're not a parent. Yeah, any, any big task or decision, get married, go to college, change jobs. Just life in general faces us constantly with tasks and responsibilities that we feel, even if we don't uh, feel comfortable admitting it, that we feel and probably actually are inadequate to. Heck, the anxieties might even invade your sleep. I'm going to fail. I am an imposter. All the stuff that has you asking, like Solomon, asking not because you're playing the system or hoping for a bonus, but because you are desperate, asking God, give me wisdom. Now, fortunately, since that fall evening 16 and a half years ago, I have executed my parenting responsibilities flawlessly. (laughs) Just like I've executed my husbanding and pastoring and all the other... No, that is not the case. My children are stifling laughter in the back if they're still listening. No, that is certainly not the case. Certainly not the case with me. Certainly not the case with you with all those responsibilities and tasks you don't feel adequate to because you are probably not adequate to. Why? That's easy because I am who I am and you are who you are. Solomon was who he was. Which means sinful and flighty and flawed. Wonderful things. Solomon, we're told that he loved the Lord. First words in our text. Well, we're told that as a result of this, uh, uh, the thing he requested, he is the wisest man to ever live. And then he, he used this, this wisdom to establish uh, uh, the, the boundaries of the kingdom of Israel uh, further out than they ever had been before. He, uh, he has a, a fleet of ships, we're told, that would trade throughout the world. He, he used that wisdom to, uh, to build a, a temple for the Lord. Palaces for himself and his family. Solomon, people from all over the world would come to hear his, hear his wisdom and to learn from him. He wrote hundreds, thousands of poems and songs, some of which we still sing. You can read about all that stuff in the chapters after that bit that we read as our Old Testament lesson. But you can also read about a Solomon who did not execute everything flawlessly. You can read about a Solomon who, on top of being wise, was also a jealous man. Jealous enough to spend the first couple years of his kingship uh, offing, murdering his rivals. Uh, cruel enough 
Cruel enough, a king to conscript thousands into forced labor brigades to build that temple in those palaces. A man of gross appetites with 700 wives and 300 concubines, likely no less forced than the builders. A man of flighty faith. He builds this grand temple, the most beautiful thing in the world, a temple to the Lord Most High. But we also know, because we're told, that he erected pagan shrines to bloodthirsty gods where along with his wives and concubines he offered sacrifice. To read all that stuff in those uh, chapters after ours as well. And all that stuff. Here's the thing that hits me more now, not that he played the system. All of that stuff, all of those less than flawless executions from a man, we are told, who loved the Lord and who was the wisest guy to ever live. Not so flawless. Not in his duties as a husband, as a father, as a king. Instead, he's a mixed bag. He's wise and he's foolish. He loved God and he worshipped idols. He built a nation and chased women. Or maybe instead of saying a mixed bag, we should just say Solomon is a human being. A human being who happens to be a whole heck of a lot like you and like me overwhelmed and wanting, praying to do the right thing, uh, to be the, the best you and execute flawlessly, and yes, even thank the Lord, once in a while, nailing it. But, also, mixed bag that you are, Lord have mercy, just as often failing it. Failing yourself, and failing your spouse, and your parents, and your children, and your God. This morning, we are a church full of mixed bags. Gathered on the 12th day of Christmas, on the eve of the epiphany of our Lord, not to hear only about this complicated mixed bag of a guy named Solomon, but better to hear about and to get to know a little better this Jesus. This Jesus who today in that, that gospel reading we, we saw executing his sonship duties flawlessly in his father's temple, the place where he's supposed to be. Don't you know that, mom and dad? This is where I'm supposed to be, in my father's house. Amazing, all those around him with his wisdom and his understanding and his words. For that's what this son did throughout his flawless execution. Amazing all with that wisdom right up until the end when he amazed this centurion who's at the foot of his cross, amazed him with words like, Father, forgive them. So they might look at them and say, there is the Son, being the Son, executing flawlessly for all of these people, mixed bags that they are. You know, you've probably heard or said in the past weeks or months since Christmas starts in October these days that Jesus is the reason for the season. It's a nice phrase. I think I have, I have written it on a Christmas card. I've received Christmas cards like that. It's a nice saying. And it's true that Jesus is the reason for the season, if you mean Jesus instead of uh, uh, lattes from, from Starbucks or something. But we can do better. We can let Jesus be the reason for the season, maybe for the first 11 days of Christmas, but we will quibble on the 12th. Jesus is not the reason for the season. You are. 
the reason for the season. And if you don't trust me, well, trust the creed that comes from your very lips every time you gather here. When you say, who for us men and our salvation came down from heaven, heaven, Qui propter nos homines, it says in the Latin, for us homines, for us human beings, for us homo sapiens, for mixed bags like us. That's for whom the season is. That, you are the reason for the season. We have Epiphany coming up. It's beautiful. We have the star back there. We have in there our, our manger scenes. Uh, the, the magi or the wise men, the kings, call them whatever you want, but make sure you also call them mixed bags. <laughs> it's not just the goofy clothing that makes them so. These, these wise men, who were they? Well, thank the Lord, they were the first ones. They are the first Gentiles to come worshiping the Lord. Thank the Lord for that. But how did they get there? Well, they got there because they were looking up at the skies. And why were they looking up at the skies? Because the Magi were soothsaying astrologers who made their living through a practice that the Old Testament says is a big fat no-no. There's <laughs> all sorts of punishments for Think about mixed bags. They, the first ones to come, but the reason they came is because they were pagan idolaters. Mixed bags, just like you, like me, just like Solomon, who even as this God-loving, wisest guy in the world also racked up a series of colossal failures. Again, just like you and like me, just like everyone you love, everyone you don't love so much, everyone you live with, everyone you know and don't know, a bunch of mixed bags for every shining moment, a glaring failure. For every wise remark, a major guffaw. For every outward appearance of confidence, an inward pleading, God, give me wisdom for this one, for I am not up to the task. For every, thank the Lord, a Lord have mercy, or maybe two. And so it's to you, like we say in the creed, for you and for me and for Solomon and for Magi, for us mixed bags and for our salvation that this Jesus is, that Jesus comes, that Jesus loves and Jesus graces and Jesus mercies and Jesus washes and Jesus forgives and renews and feeds and strengthens and preserves unto life everlasting. On this 12th day of Christmas, let us be wise enough to hold on to that. And last thing for Christmas. You know, it's ultimately a really good thing that God doesn't show up to us genie style and ask or say, ask what I shall give you. Instead of showing up and making us ask, he just gives it. So let the last word of Christmas tide be the same as the first one we heard 12 days ago. Unto you a child is born. Unto you, mixed bag that you are, unto you a son is given. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.